put up for us the diagram of the arrow. It's interesting that I gave you the outline three weeks ago when we started this. And as we started this, I talked about how that we're going to move from selfishness and stinginess and how then even last week we talked about systematic giving and stewardship. And you actually came back on one of the toughest days, sacrificial giving. Now, our world, we use the idea of sacrifice, don't we? We use it in sports a lot. If you watch any kind of baseball, there's the idea of a sacrifice in baseball, right? If a guy hits the ball and he advances the runner around and he scores, but yet he still, he himself gets out, it's called a sacrifice. We don't use the word very often in our own work or maybe even in our families. The idea of sacrifice where we are willing to give up and go beyond our own self. But today, that's what we're going to be talking about. It's going to stretch us. There's a chance that some of you, as you've already walked and you begin to progress and you you see where you're at and you begin to move and you're saying, okay, God, this is where I'm at. I'm willing to take the next step. There's a chance that when you begin to see this and you go, man, I'm doing really well. You start talking about tithing and you're going, hey, I've got this. This This was easy for me because I've done it for my whole life. So today what's gonna happen is this. There's a good chance that if you've been comfortable all the way up until this point, This is the warning that there's a good chance that God's going to get in touch with your life right now, if you're willing, if you're willing to listen, here's what I'm going to do. Because so many of us, we, 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 it's hard for us to even really realize that God's word talks about money so often. It's hard for us to even put it in play to see that Jesus, while he was here on earth, talked more about money than heaven and hell combined. It's hard to put this all together. So here's what I'm going to do. It's going to be more of a lecture this morning. I'm going to give you seven points very quickly about sacrificing and sacrificial giving. I want you to hear it. I want you to understand it because I want more than anything else. I don't want to manipulate you. I just want you to know what God's word says. And I want you to wrestle with this information so that when you walk away in a month or two months or in next week or even at the end of today, I want you to be able to say, I have moved and I have grown in my walk with Christ the way he's called me to walk. If you have your Bible, 2 Corinthians chapter 8 is where we're going to be going. We're going to spend the majority of a time there. Again, in your bulletins, you have an insert that actually says connect with today's message. It gives you a space so that you can actually fill out the information so you can have these points. You can even have the additional passages that I'm going to give you. Also, on the back of that, you'll find devotions that will give you a a, a verse every day for the next seven days so that you have something to read, so that you can come back to, so that you're allowing God's word to work in your life, so that you're sitting back and you're saying, God, I want to hear from you and I want to take the next step. So here we are, 2 Corinthians chapter 8. You have your Bibles. Would you stand for the reading of God's word? I like to stand for the reading of God's word because it draws attention that we are reading not just human thoughts, but we're reading God's very words. Go down to verse seven. We have started this series every time with this verse, and here's what it says. But as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in earnestness, and in our love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace also. In all of chapter eight, he's been talking about the act of grace being giving and how you use your finances to be generous to others. Flip over to chapter nine, if you will. I wanna read one more verse so that, again, this has been our memory verse that's been down at the bottom for the uh, this series. And here's what it says, 2 Corinthians 9 and 6. The point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully 
will also reap bountifully. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for allowing us to celebrate you today. Thank you for just giving us this moment to be able to sing praises, to hear how, God, you've worked in a real-life marriage in a situation. God, how that you redeem those situations as well. God, I'm asking now that you would give us the ears to hear. Heavenly Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would have free reign in this room this morning. We need to hear from you, and God, I pray that you would speak to each and every one of us where we need it. And then, Heavenly Father, God, I'm asking that you would give us the courage to apply to our lives what we hear today. And in Jesus' name I pray, and all God's people said, amen. Thank you, may be seated. All right, here are the points. We're gonna start walking through these. Um, 2 Corinthians chapter eight. Here's the first point. Sacrificial giving is not based on our circumstances. Sacrificial giving is not based on our circumstances. One of the key things that people often say is this, I can't give to God right now because I don't have the finances. I don't have the ability to give to God right now. I can't do this. I will do it when I have enough money. The problem is we never have enough money. Same thing with kids. You never have enough money to have kids. You just start having kids, right? It's not based on our circumstances. It's not gonna be based on when you win the lottery. It's not gonna be based on when you actually have enough money. It's not based on your circumstances. And here's what I wanna show you. Go to 2 Corinthians 8, go up to verse one. And let me show you verse one and two. Here's what it says. Paul is writing, he says, we want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia for in a severe test of affliction. Their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity. Notice the words, severe test of affliction, extreme poverty. There's a good chance there could be some in here today who are actually going through a test and your financial world is crashing in. A severe test of affliction. The Macedonian churches were actually going through persecution at this time. They are going through extreme poverty But in the midst of their extreme poverty, Paul is using them as an example to the wealthy Corinthian church and says, this is how you should be generous. Sacrificial giving has nothing to do with your circumstances, whether it's good or bad. Let me show you another example. If you go over to Luke chapter 21, you don't have to turn there. You can just have it. We'll put it up here on the screen for you. In Luke chapter 21, Jesus is in the synagogue And people are sitting around and it comes time for that moment where everybody cringes. It's the offering time. Oh no. And as the offering is being taken, people are walking around and as they walk around, they begin to drop money into the offering plate and they begin to drop money into the bucket. And as they're taking it, it's it's one of those things that you could hear when the coins hit the bucket and there was this ooh and awe, awe. Did you hear how much money just hit the bucket? Oh, did you hear how much they just gave? And they began to watch. Oh, wait, I can't wait for John. Let's listen, let's listen. Let's see how much John's gonna drop in. And everybody gets excited because he's more wealthy. And everybody's hooting and hollering going, wow, this is exciting. And Jesus sets back and says to his disciples, watch this. And there was this lady who's a widowed lady who doesn't have anything. And she comes around and she drops in Less than a penny. Nobody hoot and hollered, nobody cheered, nobody got excited about what she gave. And Jesus turns to his disciples, do you remember this? And he says, everybody else gave out of their abundance, but this woman, 
she gave everything she had. She gave more. Let me make sure we are very clear. Sacrificial giving has nothing to do with the amount that you give. You see, for some, for some, they could give $5,000 and it's no big deal. For some, they could give $20,000 and it's no big deal. While for some of us, we're going, $20,000? And man, you almost faint because you have never seen $20,000 in your bank account. And you're sitting back going, wow, watch. A $5,000 gift or a $20,000 gift could be the same as me giving a $5 gift. I wouldn't even notice it. The amount is not what's important. It's, are you giving out of the abundance or are you giving all sacrificial? Do you see it? There was another person in, in Mark where Jesus is talking to this man. He's the rich young ruler. And he comes and he talks to Jesus and he's, he's saying, Jesus, I've done everything. I've kept all the laws. I'm doing really well. And Jesus says, great, good for you. And Jesus, he actually says, my heart goes out to you. I'm excited for you. Good. There's one thing you're missing. There's only one thing. Go and sell everything you have and give it to the poor. And the young man falls and he says, there's no way. And he's depressed and he walks away saddened because he had great wealth. Sacrificial giving is not based on your circumstances. Number two, sacrificial giving will cost you something. Look at verse three. Here's what the Bible says of 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 3. It says this, For they gave according to their means. We talked about this, systematic giving. They gave according to their means. They looked at their budgets. They looked at their finances and said, this is how much we can give. They set it up in their bank accounts and actually went through and said, this is a bill pay I'm going to give consistently every day or every week or every time I'm paid. Systematically, they set it up. This is my means and this is what I can afford. And then it says what? Paul says, I can also testify they gave beyond their means. Sacrificial giving will cost you something. It's not a sacrifice if it doesn't cost you something. In the Old Testament, there was a king named David. You remember him? One of the people that we kind of brag about and kind of ooh and all over, and rightly so. There was a moment in which he takes a census and God told him not to do it. His, his heart now is broken because God has now brought judgment on him and on his kingdom. And David now wants to get things right with God. He says, God, I'm sorry, please forgive me. And then now what he does is he wants to offer an offering. So he goes and he knows he needs to buy a threshing floor. He needs to build the offering and he needs about 50 bulls in order to sacrifice. And he comes up to this man and he asks the man for it. And the man says, you're the king. I'll give you whatever you want. You can have it all. I'll give you the bulls. I'll give you 50 bulls. I'll give you the the land. I'll give you the threshing floor. You can have it all. You're the king. And how often would that be so easy for us to say, sweet, God provided, I'm just going to give it. And David answers and replies in such an incredible way. 2 Samuel 24 and 24. David answers and says this, no, but I will buy it from you for a price. I will not offer a burnt offering to the Lord, my God, that cost me nothing. Sacrificial giving is going to cost you something. And it doesn't matter where you line up on the society level, whether you're poor or whether you're wealthy, it will cost you something. And let's be honest, in this room, there's a grand scale of difference of what that's going to cost. 
For some, for some, it's a large amount. For some, it's a smaller amount. But either way, the cost is the same. It's gonna cost us something to be sacrificial giving. Number three, sacrificial giving begins, or sacrificial giving is something God puts on your heart. Look at verse four, something God puts on our heart. Paul uses again the example of his church and he says, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. Just a second, watch. And then he says this, this as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. They begged Paul to give. Can you imagine this? They begged Paul and they said, okay, we want to give and we want to give to God. Here we are, we're begging. Can you please let us? And Paul's saying, no, you're poor. You're going through a severe test. You shouldn't give. And the people are saying, no, this is what God's put on our heart. We have got to get involved. Have you ever begged the church to let you give? Have you ever begged God? God, please, I'm ready to give. Show me what to give. Oh, man. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, Paul continues writing and continues his teaching. He actually says in verse uh, verse 7, he says, each one must give as he's decided in his heart. Sacrificial giving allows for us to actually be in tune with the Holy Spirit where the Holy Spirit now has freedom to talk to us and to share. This is what you should do. One of the great steps of faith is to begin to move in your generosity, to move in this grace of giving, where now you're listening to God and you're asking God, what part do you want me to play? How often have you asked God, God, what do you want to do with my finances? How much do you want me to give? Seldom do we actually ever interact with God. We might give just because we've been guilt-tripped to give. We might give because we've just been told we needed to give. But how often do we actually get alone with God and allow the Holy Spirit to say, this is what you should do? Take out your uh, bulletins, if you would. I want to show you something. In the bulletins this today, we, we put in a little sheet that says 2013 campaigns. These campaigns have different amounts already being given. I wanted to show you kind of what's been going on here. It's interesting, as we begin to allow the Holy Spirit to talk to us and share with us what's going on. A couple weeks ago, I had a a man come up to me and say, Pastor, there's a good chance that I can get those parking lot banners covered. Could you send me the designs? Let me see if I can get it covered through my company. Another person came up and said, hey, Pastor, let me, t- let me look at that um, hot water heater. I'm not for sure. Maybe I can do something about it. And he started looking at it and working on it. And now he feels like God's putting it on his heart to help get that hot water heater covered. Some other conversations I've had, somebody asked me about the brush hogs. They thought we were gonna start a petting zoo and put a bunch of hogs out here. They got real excited. But then I kind of explained, no, it's not, a, it's not hogs, real hogs, real pigs. It's actually for the tractor. And they started talking and said, well, let me see if I, I'm going to start working on it and see if I can actually take care of that for the church. You know, it's interesting when the Holy Spirit begins to work and there's people who are actually willing to step back and say, God, what's my part? What's my part? It allows your spirit, it allows your relationship with God to become dynamic and something more than just static and something more than just, ah, I just went through the motions. Sacrificial giving. Something God puts on your heart. 
The next one, sacrificial giving, begins with giving of yourself to God. Look at verse five of chapter eight. It says this, and this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God. Church, hear me, please hear me. God is not trying to steal your money. God is not trying to just get everything from you. What God wants is this. He wants to be number one in your life. He wants to be the priority. He's not after just taking things from you. He's not trying to be mean. He's not being a bully. He wants to be number one because he's the greatest good of all creation because he's not created. He's the greatest. Look at this. Sacrificial giving starts with me saying, God, I'm willing to give him myself. I love the passage in, in Luke chapter seven. There's a young lady who's known as a sinner, known as a reprobate, who has a bad reputation in town, so bad that she can't even come into church. And she wants to interact with Jesus. And she hears that Jesus is at the religious leader's home. Do you remember this? So she goes to the religious leader's homes. She sneaks in. And Jesus is there sitting with these religious leaders and she comes in scared, humbled. She knows who she is and she knows what other people say about her and she walks in and she falls to her knees and she takes everything that she has, the most precious thing in her life, this anointment that was for her wedding day. She knows she's not ever gonna get married. No man wants her in her condition. And yet she comes and she breaks it open and she begins to wipe the feet of Jesus. Everything, it's giving of yourself. That's a sacrificial gift. Giving yourself first to God. Sacrificial giving. What an amazing thing in which God invites us into the process. Your next point is sacrificial giving is a joyful act. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 7. Here's what the Bible says. Each of us must give as we've decided in our heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a what? Cheerful giver. Okay, guys, just, I wanna help you out here. Let's take a time out. This week is Valentine's Day. Just helping you, okay? This week, that means you probably need to put it in your calendar and make sure you get that something going on, all right? This week's Valentine's Day. Now, ladies, let me talk to you just for a second. Now that he's been reminded, you expect something. Even if he wasn't reminded, you kind of expected something to happen, all right? So what would happen, let's, let's be honest, what would happen if your husband, he went out and he spent at least $100 on flowers and he had the chocolates? I mean, he just did it upright. He even scheduled and made reservations. I mean, he made a plan, but he comes in and when he comes in with those flowers and that nice bouquet, he, he looks at you and he takes it and you, you're, you're just, you're, your heart's melting, right? You're going, oh, and he takes the flowers and he slams them on the counter and he says, there you go. At least I did something this year. Aren't you glad I didn't forget? Would that come across very well? Not a chance, right? Not a chance. But he spent $100 on the flowers. So what, right? But how often, let's be honest, how often when we come to the point of giving, are we frustrated maybe sometimes and we're going, I'm just, and you do it out of obligation. God is not after your obligation. God's after your heart. And he wants you to actually be excited about giving. Men, do you remember the moment when you actually paid for that ring to ask that lady to marry you? Man, you were nervous. You were scared. I mean, I mean, it, it's a lot of money. 
And you take and you worked hard for it. And then there's that moment where you actually are able to get down on your knees and you're just, man, you're shaking. Your voice is cracking. You remember that moment? And you're about to pass out. But you are excited to give her that ring, right? The moment is this. When we come to giving to God, it's an excitement. There's been moments in which you write the check and you're just kind of blown away. And it becomes almost this moment where you begin to cry and you just well up and saying, God, I cannot believe you gave me this much and you're allowing me to give back. I am just amazed by who you are. Oh, have you ever been there? Where you just love God so much, you're just excited and you're shaking to give it. And there's so much joy and it's just overflowing. There's a passage in the Old Testament, First Chronicles chapter 29, in which they're getting ready to build the temple. And David is he's organizing it. And he's so excited. And David begins to give. And he begins to, to write about how much he's giving. He said, this is my gift out of my own pocket. And David begins to write. And in First Chronicles 29, it says that, moreover, David's writing and David's speaking. He says, in addition to all that I have provided for the house, all the things that I've arranged, everything that I've set up, David now says, for the holy house, I have a treasure of my own gold and silver, because of my devotion to the house of God. And so now he says, I want to give it to the house of my God. Here's what it says. He gave 3,000 talents of gold. Of the gold of Orphir, 7,000 talents of refined silver. Now that doesn't sound like a whole lot. I mean, it sounds like a lot, but we don't really understand it, right? So let me help you do some math real quick. In our terms, here's how much the gold weighed. 100, this is, this is the very... Um, conservative number. Okay, very conservative. I'm not even using the bigger numbers that we could use. 101 tons of gold is what David gives. Tons, 101 tons of gold. Let me help break that out a little bit more for you. One pound of gold today goes for around $27,000. One pound. So now you take 101 tons times 2,000 to get the pounds and then you multiply by $27,000. You ready for this? David himself gave over five and a half billion dollars in gold alone. That doesn't even count the silver. Hello. Then it says in First Chronicles, he goes on down. And here's what happens. The leader sacrificed and gave. And then now the leaders Second Chronicles, First Chronicles 29, verse six, it says the leaders of the father's houses made a free will gift. They gave excited, willingly, not out of being forced to. The leaders gave all the tribes of commanders of a thousand hundreds. They gave, and here's what they gave. They gave 5,000 talents, 10,000 derricks of gold, 10,000 talents of silver, 18,000 talents of bronze. Roughly estimated, here you go, 168.3 metric tons of gold. That's over $9 billion given by the leaders. And here's the response. Verse nine, then the people rejoiced because they had given willingly the whole heart, from the whole heart that they had offered freely to the Lord. And David the king also rejoiced. When you are giving, 
And it's an amazing sacrifice. And you're just saying, God, here it is. And you start seeing other people give willingly. You can't help but rejoice to watch how God is moving and working. And it'll blow you away. Freely, joyfully giving, sacrificial giving. Okay, you ready? Let me give you two more points and we'll be done. Sacrificial giving helps us to trust God as a supplier of all that we have. 2 Corinthians 9, go down to verse 8. The reason I've used verse 6 over and over again, the person who sows bountifully, God's going to bless bountifully. If you sow sparingly, God blesses just a little. It's because of these next few verses. In Paul, in 2 Corinthians 9 and verse 8, it says this, God is able to make all grace abound to you, so, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you amount, uh, may abound in every good work. Stop. When you're putting God first, look what it says. It's God who's able to make everything abound. He's the one who meets your needs. Do you see that? He's the one meeting the needs. He's the one supplying everything that you have. Now watch what he keeps, he keeps going. At all times, no matter where you're at. And he continues on. And it says this, verse 10. He who supplies the seed to the sower... And the bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. Here's what God's saying. Watch. You ready? When you begin to give, and it's sacrificial, it begins to put you into a, 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 a framework in which you begin to trust God to meet all your needs. And God is the one who will give the seed. He not only blesses the seed, then he blesses the planting and the work, and then God blesses the harvest. Translation. It's God who gave you the job. It's God who gives you the mentality, the brain work, the ability to do the job. It's God who gives you the physical ability to keep that job. It's God who continues to work and it's God who blesses the efforts and God is the one who takes all the work and he blesses during the work and it's God who can actually take that work and what you did and multiply it to beyond what you could ever think or imagine and you say, there's no way I did that. God put his hand on this. To trust God at a new level. Last one is this. We have to flip over to 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy helps us Chapter six, sacrificial giving for God's kingdom. Now, right now in the present is an investment in heaven. Paul teaches us a new principle. He helps us move forward to understand that what we're doing and what we're giving right now actually is something that can go on for all eternity. Look at verse uh, chapter six of first Timothy. It says, as for the rich in this present age. Okay, who's rich? Now, most of us won't raise our hand, but let, let me put it in perspective. If you have two TVs in your home, by the world standards, you're rich. If you have two cars in your driveway, you're rich. By the world standards, even living here in America, you're considered rich. So here's what Paul is teaching Timothy. He said, Timothy, as a pastor, I want you to make sure you charge and you teach and you help those who are rich to understand how to use their riches. And here's what he says, now watch. Don't trust your riches but on God who richly provides us everything. Verse 18, they are to do good. Here's what we're to do. We're to do good with our riches, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasures for themselves as a good foundation for the future. How do you store up treasure for the future? Let's be honest. What you earn now 
in just a few years, in a few generations, you'll be nothing more than a name on the Ancestry.com roster. I'm sorry, that's tough. You'll be nothing more than an Ancestry name. That's, oh yeah, that's my, yeah, okay, there they are. You'll see, you can't take your riches with you. You don't get to take it with you. So how do you invest for the future? What never dies? What goes on for all eternity? There's two things, two. God's word and people's souls. When you take and you invest your money for God's word and people's souls, you are actually laying a foundation that will go on and on for all eternity. When you invest your money in the future of God's word and expanding God's word and spreading God's word into souls, in which you invest in them, reaching souls, teaching souls, discipling, so that they actually can teach and reach more souls. That's laying a foundation for the future that will go on and on and on. And your work, your gifts, your generosity allows for that. Here's my story to finish and to conclude. Jamie and I were, we were in our 20s. And it was something that we had three kids. We were living in an apartment. I was a youth pastor. I was making the big bucks, man. It was just amazing. It was a good time, right? So I, I, I'm a youth pastor of three kids. We're living in an apartment. And for us, the tithing was something that, hey, you know, I, this is what we're supposed to do. It was, just, it was just movement. It was easy. It was part of it. Now, it wasn't easy in the sense that she was staying home. And it was hard to rearrange our, our finances. It was hard to make sure we kept it a priority, but we kept it the priority. And then there was this moment in which we were supposed to start, we started talking about sacrificial giving, hello, I'm sacrificing. I'm in the ministry. I'm sacrificing. I'm, I'm in an apartment right now. I'm sacrificing. We have three kids. God, hello. This is crazy. We can't do anymore. There's nothing else we could do. And then there's this moment in which God says, Heath, Jamie, you need to give your washer and dryer away. Okay, God, you obviously don't realize all the puke that's on my shirt right now. You don't know all those blowouts on those diapers. Come on. The washer and dryer, really? You want us to give that away? And I'm telling you, this was a mile marker for me. This was huge in my life because I'm sitting back going, there's no way I'm supposed to give that. It was hard. Are you kidding me? And I argued with God and I told him flat out, no. There's no way I'm, there's no way I'm giving everything else. Why that? So we had to start talking. We had the conversation. Well, you know, the apartment complex has a, um, you know, those slot machines, not slot machines. Man, all right. Uh, it has the, uh, <laughs> it has the coins for the, the, help me out, somebody. All right, it has the coins for the washer and dryers. All right, in the, <laughs> that is beautiful. All right, so I played the slot machines and that's how we got out of it. No, just kidding. Okay, so what we, did, what we did was we said, we're gonna use the coins and we're use, uh, go down to right there in the apartment complex. Let's give it away. Let's just do it. And I, I'm telling you, I struggled. Man, I struggled. I, it, was, it was hard. And I remember loading it into the back of the pickup and I just, I'm sitting there, I'm working through this and I'm struggling because this was a big deal for me. And we get over there and I get over there and we start unloading it. And I remember talking to that couple and as we were putting it in and I tightened it up, 
They had no idea the sacrifice I was making. They had no idea the sacrifice my wife was making. They were just excited. They were getting a washer and dryer. And I was, oh God, I don't know how we're going to do this. And just in a few days, God began to put me on this movement where I said, I'm excited. I can't believe that God allowed us to do this. And my heart began to change. And I'm sitting there going, God, this is, this is amazing. And there was a moment there where I began to understand sacrificial, joyful giving. And I was amazed that God did this in my life. And then God demonstrated why he's so big and how he's so big. Because when I was faithful, when my wife was faithful, he then come back around and gave us a check that covered the expense for a washer and dryer. And what it did was this. It didn't cause me to jump up and down. It caused me to fall on my face and realize that I have a God that's so big that why would I ever question him? It caused me to actually go, wow, I can't believe he would even care about what the situation is. And it caused me to move in my life. Let me be honest. Each time now he asks for the sacrifice, it's hard. Not even gonna deny it. It's hard. And when he first asks it, it's hard. It's hard. It's painful. But hopefully the time frame between when God asks to when I actually fulfill it gets shorter and shorter because I'm beginning to realize, man, when God asks, God is so much bigger. He can do something bigger than I ever even thought or imagined. And here's what I want for you. Take out your, your bulletins now. There's a card in there. It's the connection card. On the back of the connection card, we've asked last week. We're asking this week. We'll ask one more week. Some of you have been praying about this. Put the arrows back up, please. You are moving from one step to the next. And God is asking each one of us to grow in this area of grace. And God's asking us to move. And there's on the back of that card, we're asking that you would check. What is God asking you to do? What's your next step? For some, it was just systematic giving. And that's where you're moving. And that was a big step for you. For some, you actually began to say, you know what, tithing is where I've got to go. And it's now taking this stewardship and being obedient and I'm gonna do it and I'm gonna take the four month challenge. God challenged us and he says, man, go ahead. I double dog dare you, try this out and you're gonna do it. Some of you are saying, I've already tithed and you just mark that I'm gonna keep those as a, a commitment. Yeah, I'm not gonna track you down. I'm not even gonna look to see how much you give, I promise you. But here's what I want to do. I want to partner with you and walk alongside you. In the next four months, it could be tough and it's going to be up and down and you're trying to figure out how to work through this. So I want to send you some letters just to encourage you to keep going and keep doing it and trusting God. Now, let me be honest. There's some in this room that you've been very comfortable with these three, the first couple lessons. And today, here's what the next step is. You have to write it in as prayer. God is asking you to do another step. And I'm not even gonna tell you what it is that you have to do. All I'm asking is this, that you would actually mark in that prayer request box, pastor, pray for me, because I'm willing to listen to whatever God has me to give next. Whatever my next step is, I'm willing to take that step. I want to pray with you. I will put you on my prayer list. The staff will pray for you on Tuesday. We will walk through this. We want to pray with you and partner with you. This is a big step. It's a step for me, it's a step for you, it's a step. But I know this, God wants us all to be moving on, our, on this grace act. I don't know where you're at, but would you be willing to actually mark it down? We're not gonna come in and hound you, I'm not gonna call you, I'm not gonna say, hey, you're falling down, you haven't, you haven't actually given the last few weeks, I'm not doing that. I just want to encourage you and come alongside you so that you 
get to experience God working in your life like never before. Once you taste it, and once you see that you can't outgive God, and once you see how God works, you'll never want to go back. 